The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up? Hope everyone had a great weekend. I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rides podcast. It is another Sunday SEC baseball conversation with Colin Brister. That feels like Groundhog Day because the Rebels dropped two out of three yet again to Mississippi State for the eighth year in a row. Talked about what went wrong, missed opportunities, pitching decisions, and what to make of the re- rest of a regular season that is, for all intents and purposes, over. What do you look for? How does this, how do you prevent this from happening again? And a lot of big picture stuff. So buckle up it is a uh, quality conversation. You may not enjoy the content itself, but hey, I think we kind of broke down some interesting stuff for the long-term future of this program, as well as the immediate future. So before we get that, though, I want to remind you, the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Glad you asked. They're the world's best gaming handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Football season will be here before you know it. Skybox NASCAR is up and rolling. Crushing it over there with Mark Harris and Skybox NASCAR. You have football season right around the corner. You need to check these guys out. If you're into wagering, they're the only way to profit in the long run. You're going to have a picks package to fit your price range. All you have to do is go to skyboxsportspicks.com, type in their promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off any picks package you purchase. Try it for a day, a week, a month, whatever your preference is. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. They've also got some great merch in the shop there. Be sure to check them out at skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University at Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg if you're a Rippy Rights subscriber. That's rippyrights.substack.com. Get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats right now. It's a three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. That's about a $40 valuation you're getting there for 20 bucks. Go in there, show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you set up. Then go find all your own favorites. The best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meat, fresh seafood, sausages, tri-tips, and filet burgers are the uh, favorite of mine. Go find your own favorites. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here's Colin Brister on another terrible series for the Ole Miss Rebels. All right, we now welcome on Colin Brister, Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent. Rebels dropped their fifth straight SEC series, their eighth straight series to Mississippi State after a 5-3 to three defeat on Sunday in the series finale after winning game one. And it uh, feels like Groundhog Day in a lot of ways. Um, kind of yeah. the same story for this team 
Um, particularly like it, it feels like it, that series mirrored the last, you know, I don't know, five, six in a row have gone against Mississippi State. Just plenty of opportunities to take control of the game and the series and just didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you look back at this series and you got to win that game on Saturday, right? When you when you take the lead in the ninth inning, uh, first off, you got to score more than the, the two runs that you scored or whatever to take the one run lead. You got you got to score more than that when you're presented with that situation. But I think the telling sign of the weekend was when they go to the bottom of the ninth on Saturday, and nobody that roots for Ole Miss thought they were going to get three outs and win the game. I think that because Mitch Morrell was burned, um, I think that was what could just summarize the season. Absolutely nobody expected they were going to get three outs and win the game because there was nobody in the pen that anybody had any amount of trust in that they could have put on the mound and expected to have gotten three outs. Everybody criticizes, you know, Mason Nichols coming out and um, putting Sam Takoyan in, and I get that. But, like, did you trust Mason Nichols to get three outs? It's You know, I, I understand that, that people have – different opinions on different pitchers, but there was nobody they could have put on that mound on Saturday afternoon that I would have any confidence in uh, that was going to get three outs besides Mitch Morrell, who was unavailable. Well, yeah, and that that really gets right to the heart of it. We'll just go to that scenario right now. So Ole Miss enters the ninth inning of Saturday's game down seven to six. Groff immediately starts on, uh, I think, two pitches in, uh, doubles off the Double. left center gap, gets so they got a runner on, no outs. Uh, then Gonzalez follows it with a double. So all of a sudden, in a matter of three pitches, it's seven seven. Uh, you know, speaking, yep. you mentioned that no one that was rooting for Ole Miss thought that they would get three outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. How many people thought they would tie it up in the top of the ninth? Did any how uh, the confidence not, not level I. there? It had to be somewhat similar. Not not I. Um, but now you did yeah. have a good part of the lineup up. The the most yeah. reliable part of the lineup, which you know, shockingly, the top of the order. You did get the top of the order to start that inning, but I didn't have a ton of confidence in their own right. I uh in my, myself that they they would be able to get this done well then you get so you got you got basically now a tie game with the man on second so you're now cooking Harris flies out to right field they intentionally walk Otterman Clarko singles Clarko hits a single that goes what off the bag that scores the bag, Dallas, yeah. which is yeah. kind of some tough luck because he smoked that it ball and it just all of a sudden pops up like a whack-a-mole off the bag and so it doesn't get to the outfield like would Alderman have scored from first base I don't know, um, but it would have given you at least a shot at it that didn't. You would have had you would have had second and third, and then you probably score one more. Right, but I'm not exactly. sure even then it matters. Yeah, yeah, I know like, that's a good point. So they, so then you get a Leje ground out, and then uh, Udermark. I think as a that was a pinch hitter at that point. What? No, 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 he was already in the game. No, no, he was he had come into pinch run. Yeah, and he uh, and so he strikes out. So it's eight to seven. Well. Then you go to the bottom of the night. I, with you, I didn't necessarily feel great about their chances of uh, closing that one off. Well, uh, Mason Nichols issues a four-pitch walk immediately to Imani Larry, and Bianco pulls Nichols. And that probably gets down to the core of what you're talking about, about confidence and having guys that can get outs and close out games. That's supposed to be your guy. I mean, look, I mean, in a yep. post – in a post-Hunter Elliott world, that is your guy, and that's still, even at the start of the year, was supposed to be one of your couple guys. I'll just stop – like, we'll stop it right there with the decision to go to Sam DeCoy, and not really even the decision to go to Sam Coy, just the decision to remove Mason Nichols from the game. What did that say to you? What what If Mike was trying to send a message or you're trying to read what's inside Mike's head, what, what were you um, thinking about that? So, well? the batter bef- – the hitter before, I can't recall the kid's name. He's a left-handed hitter, maybe high fill. Um 
Nichols struck him out on four straight curveballs um, to, to end the eighth inning. He comes in to Armani Larry, and he thro- – not the non-hole hitter at that point, and he throws four consecutive fastballs, I believe, nowhere near the zone. That tells me you have no fastball command. Um, if you can't throw a fastball over the plate on 3-0 to the non-hole hitter, I I don't how, – how am I supposed to, after what I've seen over the past week, week and a half, two weeks from, from Nichols, how am I supposed to trust that you're going to find it in that environment against the top of the lineup? Um, so I don't mind the move. There was just nobody down there that I trusted to come in the game either. So like what I'm saying is it didn't matter to me if you made a move or not because who whoever you were going to put in, I don't think was going to get the job done because they're so limited in what they have in the bullpen. I mean, I mean, honestly, besides Cole Ketchum, who was okay, I guess, today, like who else do you even think about going to? It's not Grayson Sanye. I mean, it's not Jordan Vera. Um, so the only other I guess answer is Morel, who's not available. Who's not available? Yeah, like so. so in that I, specific I scenario, there is no other answer. But it it just it it shows what a weird and precarious spot that they were in with the bullpen is. I don't know. I just find it. I find it very surprising that they got to the point in the year where that in that scenario they weren't just for better or for worse going to die with yeah you know, win or lose. I was going to say do or die, but win or lose with Mason Nichols finishing out that game. Like, I would be curious, like, I wonder at what point Takoyan got hot. Do you think it was after the eighth inning? Oh, he, he, he had been he, – I actually noticed him in the eighth inning getting hot. So, he, he had okay, been Okay, so thrown. he's already there and available. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, so, it, it makes a little more sense. But that just – I thought that kind of underscored the position that they're in because I, I don't know. Then it gets down, and this is really just semantics, and I can understand both sides of it. You mentioned not necessarily having a problem with it. After you kind of mentioned the four-pitch thing and what he did – uh, to end the eighth inning, juxtaposed with what he did to start the ninth on the four straight fastballs, I didn't mind it as much. But that kind of gets into: Do you just go down with your guy, or because Takoyan, you know, with respect to the kid, is not exactly a better option. He's just a different one. And yeah, I, here I'll put it to you this way: To package it in a real question, if Tuesday doesn't happen against Memphis, do you think they finish the game out with Nichols? Uh I don't know. That is an interesting question, um, for sure. The issue that you have with Nichols is like, you know, and it's kind of the thing, th- same thing with, uh, you know, uh, Peyton Shotney that we've talked about. I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy that's got a 7.85 ERA and 1.68 whip in SEC play. Um, now, is Decoyne any better? Probably not. My man's got an 11.12. Good God. He has a 3.46 whip in SEC play. Yeah, don't look at the oh. conference play only numbers if you're. If oh, you're- my God. Their best pitcher in SEC play has a 2.11 whip. What a statement. Who? Uh, Braden Jones. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, He's got a 3.68 ERA and a 2.11 whip. That seems sustainable. Oh, my God. I don't know how it's gotten this. Like, the I got to click off this page before I lose my mind. I, I don't know um, how it's gotten this I don't know how it's gotten either. that bad. I have no idea. I, I, don't, I don't either, and that, that, that really – I thought that loss the way it happened summed up a lot of this team's a lot of the a lot of this team's issues and how they've managed to lose games at the end of games. But all the issues we talked about from the injuries to the offense slumping, the Mason Nichols thing, and I, I don't know if it's an apples to apples comparison because of the two situation the teams were in. But do you remember at the end of 2019 when Parker Caracy was really struggling? And yeah. then he came in in that low-scoring game that I think they were playing like A&M or something and dug through a gym, and Crazy came in 
and yep. finished and it Hoover. off. And I remember being in Hoover that day, and Mike said in the postgame, we, I think he said in this case, because they were about to go to the postseason, we can't win in the postseason without Parker Caracy. And it feels like a similar situation here where given the state of this bullpen entering the year, then you have the Elliott injury. They were never going to be successful without Mason Nichols being very good. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a sophomore, but it's just a simple reality. And he hasn't been good and the team is losing. And it's not all on him. I just, I just, I, I think that's important to point out that there's never really a successful blueprint for this team without a good Mason Nichols in the bullpen. It's just, it, yeah, you're right. I mean, th- this team is not going to be successful unless Mason Nichols is good. But the reality is Mason Nichols has not been good, unfortunately. Um, you know, I know the kid's trying. And we, we've certainly seen Mason Nichols perform at the highest level before. So I have no doubt that, he, that at some point in his almost career, he will be good again. But for right now, when you look at the last, what, five weeks of SEC play, it's been a, it's been a nightmare. Um, you know, it's just – look, I, I think when you look back on this season, and, and maybe you'll disagree, but – I don't necessarily look at it and say, oh, the reason they're struggling is because of all the freshmen and because of all the, um, you know, newcomers. I look at this year and I'm like, they're struggling because the guys they expected to perform that have performed for years for Ole Miss are underwhelming. Like when you look at what McCants and Chatney and, um, you know, Doherty, Doherty's doing his best in a role that he's not suited for, but the, the, the statistically, and he was really good um, Friday, obviously, but uh, you know, the guys that they counted on to be really good because they have been really good have not been really good. Yeah, no, you're on to something there. I think that's quickly where the narrative shift in this season is becoming is after week one, when you knew you had the two injuries with, uh, with Josh Mallowitz and then Riley Maddox not being ready yet. And then you get the news about Hunter Elliott that we've gone over ad nauseum I felt like that season was going to largely be shaped around those injuries and could they overcome them? And if they didn't, then you probably had the reason why. And if they were a team, what they're three and 12 at this point, if this team was uh, that would be six and nine or like five and at the halfway point, then that's probably speaks more toward um, the idea that, Hey, they just can't, they don't have enough guys to get out. They just can't overcome these injuries, but them being three and 12, as you astutely pointed out right before we started recording, or you added up to being two games out of a spot in Hoover at the halfway point of the season is not because of who's not out there. It's because of who's out there and is who's not living up to the billing. That's quickly what this has turned into, which is I don't even really know how to encapsulate that or like what that means in terms of the long term, but that's way more alarming than this team just never really putting it all together struggling and being a bubbly team till May and faltering off because they just don't have enough arms. This is turning into a quick, like this is turning into a uh, nosedive very quickly and it can't simply be due to who's not available to pitch. That's just not really the team's issues anymore. And that's, that's even more alarming. I didn't figure the season would go that way. Maybe that's what surprised me so far. Yeah. No, it's just look the, the guys that they expected to be really good have not been really good, unfortunately. And, um, you know, we can blame some transfer portal stuff, but I think for the most part, outside of one at bat this weekend, Anthony Clarko was okay. I think Leger has played a decent third base. Look, obviously, Cross been awesome. Cross been really good. Um, you know, it's just Revis has been just, awesome. Comparatively, yeah. I mean, I mean for Revis what they were getting, like expecting him to do, for what they figured his job would be, I'd say he's been better than advertised. Yeah, no, I mean, he gives you a chance every Saturday, right? Um, 
I don't know. It's just it's it's unfortunate that the guys that they thought would perform have just had tough years, and you know it's not a slight at them. Those, those guys have had played on the biggest stage at Ole Miss and won a national championship at Ole Miss, but um, for just this year, when we talk about this year, man, it's uh, it's been tough. You know, it, I laughed with some buddies of mine uh, today when we went after Ole Miss had after Ole Miss had lost. They were like, you know, last year everybody was when we were struggling. Everybody was talking about. You know the the reason you don't want to make a move for Mike Bianco is because his teams never suck, and and people didn't understand like how bad it's going to be if you know you have a bad baseball team and how miserable that is. It's like, well, I have figured it out. It is miserable when the the team you root for uh, in college baseball is not very good. Yeah, that's a great point that you make, and you said that earlier, right before we started recording. I mean, it's April. Uh, what what is today? April sixteenth, and the season is yeah. over. Uh, for all intents and purposes. And it really, to be honest, it was probably after A&M and it really felt. I still don't think this team was making the tournament with a win today. No, I don't like, either. Like, I, I think yeah. if they'd have won Saturday and won today, then you're sitting there maybe. thinking, okay, well now all of a sudden, maybe because you get to five and 10, but for even for, again, for all intents and purposes, the nail in the coffin was actually probably uh, on April 8th when they lost the series finale yeah. on Saturday to Arkansas. And it, it's not a lot of fun. I mean, I was uh, with a couple of buddies, uh, on the square yesterday at Bure, and I ran into my uh, my friend William Mayo. They uh, had a five k this weekend for his uh, brother who passed. Did you, you run in it? No, dude. I I screwed up. I missed I missed the uh, registration. Just had a like I don't know class. I feel like my life's on a two week tape delay. It sometimes like everyone <laughs> else figures out about something, and then I do. And I just fought, I just dropped the ball on that. I I, I should have signed I, up, I, and then I didn't know you could walk up. Anyway, long story short, I, I kind of felt bad about that, but I met them out afterward. And he was like, you know, I just want them to win for the sheer fact that next week means something. And you can keep at least stringing this yeah. along because it's no fun when the year's over in mid-April. I was like, I feel the exact same way. Like it's a beyond the podcast content gap. It's just, it's no fun when you're completely out of it in the middle of April. Like you're, you're now getting a taste of this, which you largely have not gotten in the Bianco area. I mean, when's the last time they've been truly out of it this early? Never. I mean, like, genuinely never because the because his what, bad teams times, have bottomed out late. Well, his bad teams is still on selection Monday. Thought they might could get in, right? You know, in 2011, 2017, and 2003, two, 2002, 2011, 2017, and then obviously last year they went into selection Monday thinking that they still had a shot to get in. Um, I don't believe this team will be having a, a, a watch party for the uh, selection show. No, that's why college baseball needs an NIT, huh? Would you watch this team in the NIT? <laughs> I don't think I would. I don't <laughs> think I would either. Half this team's probably not going to be here next year between going pro and transferring. Yeah, so no, I uh, I, I would not. But yeah, you're really getting a taste of, of what college softball like. has one. I'm sorry, they do. Yeah, they have they have some sort of non NCAA tournament. Good for them. Maybe we should should start this. (laughs) Hey, there's money to be made. We could, I don't know what we would call it. Um, I'd invite Mike every year, even if they were like 21 and nine in SEC play, (laughs) I'd just send him an invite. (laughs) You think Mike could get that into his contract uh, for like a bonus? That'd be nice. One, the Rippy Wrights Invitational. I like that. That has a nice (laughs) ring to it. I'm sure he would take that very, very seriously as well, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just something you haven't – like Ole Miss fans have not experienced in the two decades 
um, that Mike Bianco has been the coach here. And I don't mean to turn this season into somehow a retroactive pat on the back for the previous 20 something years of Mike. I don't mean to do that at all, but it is, it is just kind of a foreign feeling. And then it's on top of that. It's the frustration of losing to Mississippi state for eight years in a row. I mean, look, state's been a better baseball. Well, They've had more yeah. postseason success in the last eight years. They've been a better baseball program, but not yeah. by that much. And Ole Miss has not beaten them uh, in eight years, which is – I don't know. What do you make of that? Like, it's almost a statistical anomaly. Uh, yeah, it is a statistical anomaly, and obviously the 2020 is canceled. But, you know, Ole Miss from 2003, I believe, to 2009, I believe they have that right. They they won the series every year. Sometimes it just happens. Um you know, Ole Miss, has, Ole Miss has done this to teams before. I don't I don't necessarily – everybody's going to want to do the thing about, oh, Mississippi State just wants it more. No, 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 no. They just – you know, when you look, frankly, outside of – well, I think this year – I think you'd kind of be foolish to not say Mississippi State's better this year. Last year was really the only time that Ole Miss was probably better than Mississippi State. Um, and they lost the series maybe 2018, but that 2018 Mississippi State team went to the College World Series and finished number four in the country. Um so, you know, the reality is when you look at it in 16, 17, I think you have to say 18, 19, um, 21, and 23, Mississippi State's just been a better baseball team than Ole Miss. Like, just their, their players are better. Um, and 19's weird because at the time they weren't. Remember, they were bad. They swept Ole Miss, and then that led to them sneaking into a regional, and then they got to them. I remember that wasn't like a normal – wait, no, no, was that eight? That was no, eight. That, that was, that was 18. That yeah, was 18. I had my years mixed up. You're right, you're yeah, right. No, 19, their 19 team hosted. Um yeah, no, it's just look, they've just been better than Ole Miss. They've had better teams. Um, and you can talk about recruiting or whatnot, but I think that's just the reality that outside of maybe this – or excuse me, outside of maybe last year, uh, Mississippi State's team was just better. And they were the better team this weekend. They just – I mean, look, yeah, yeah. I think this was a well, collection about. of two bad teams this weekend, but State made more plays. I mean, you look at the Sunday game today that Ole Miss lost at uh, 5-3. to three. Mississippi State scored all of their runs on two swings, and they were a pair of very clutch two-out home runs uh, that yeah. were backbreaking. And Ole Miss doesn't really get that backbreaking hit against opponents. You know, in the – and this isn't uh, – this specific example, if I can talk today – isn't totally fair, but in the eight to seven loss, you mentioned it. They get up uh, eight to seven. You have a Leger strikeout, and then Udermark strikes out swinging. But at that second and third situation, if you can somehow poke one in the outfield and turn that thing into what would that have been at the time? It'd have been a, two, it'd have been a three run lead. Yeah, it'd yeah, have been a three run lead. Then the whole dynamic's different. Exactly. The entire dynamic is different, and they just have not been able to do that. It's in the Sunday game today where Ole Miss ties it up. Um, in the what inning was that? Was that the sixth or the seventh? Seven. It would almost ties it up or uh, top six, maybe the eighth. Oh, wait, wait, right no, on. I'm eventually going to get this correct. Um, it was, it was top of the seventh. Seven. You're right, yeah. And so they score, and then they've got corners and one out. I think that is bases, bases loaded, one out. That's right, because Alderman's ball didn't leave the infield. So it's bases loaded, one out, and Alderman rolls over one into a six three double play. And you know, you're at the middle of your lineup. Um, you still got you got Calarco up. You've already had Alderman and Harris and uh Gonzalez go through, but you got Alderman up. That's a chance. Bases loaded one out. They got a guy on the ropes, they bring in one of their better pictures in Aaron. Hit a ball in the gap and you win. Yeah, exactly. And that 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 really busts open the game and it takes out of the wind out of all state sales because state was up three to one to that point and was really yeah. cruising. 
And so that backbreaking hit has just been able to elude them. And I think you tweeted about this earlier, but that's not really something that's tangible. But you can just see it when you watch a team enough over the course of the year. This is not a team that gets that backbreaking game busting open, whatever you want to term it, type of hit. And it, it it's cost them cost them a game against A and M. It cost them, you know, I would say well, two games in some ways this weekend. It, it's hurt them a lot, and is a, a, I would say a pretty key reason why they're in the position they're in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and for, you know, it's just the reality is, you know, you look on Friday night. And the, so I'm, I'm coaching a game on Friday night and kind of keeping up with it on game tracker after the game ends. And, and we're kind of doing some stuff, talking about our game. And I look at the box score of the game because I didn't watch pitch on Friday night. They scored three runs on 12 hits. You know how hard that is? Yes. They scored three they runs on 12 hits. And two of the hits were homer. Yes, in the end of that game, uh, I mean, the, the way Ole Miss pulled out that game felt like, I imagine if you're an Ole Miss fan, it felt like pulling teeth. But they really dominated the game. They outhit Mississippi State twelve to two, and they won a one-run game, and were you know pretty fortunate to get out of there. Morell was awesome in that game. They yeah. they largely won that game because of the way Mitch Morell pitched in relief of uh, what's Doherty. I mean, Morell finished it yeah. with three innings, and he was awesome. And he was painting corners. He got him out of a big spot, and he gave up the solo home run right before he got the final out. But they got 12 hits, and they only scored three runs, and they won the game because of the relief pitcher. I mean, they left 10 on base. They left 27 men on base for the weekend. Yeah. 10, yeah. 9, and 8. Yeah. That's that's that, that's not great. And they didn't make any errors. Stayed at a three-error game no. and a two-error game and won the series. Yeah. Look, it was – that is the worst pitching staff Ole Miss will see for the rest of the year. And Ole Miss scored three, six, and three. Do I have that right? Three, six, and three. They averaged four runs a game. They three, seven, three and three. Three, seven, and three. And I take that back. Yeah. The Saturday game was actually a three-error game, too. So, State made uh, six errors in the first 18 innings of the series, and they were tied. Uh, the series is split. It's not good enough. And I don't mean that like they're not trying. They obviously are. They're playing hard. I don't think – I don't think – I don't know how you would watch this team play baseball and question their effort. Um, they're just not good enough. And, and that's unfortunate, but – you know, I think that's just the reality we have to accept. Last year, you know, I think last year, I think I could argue that once it started to spiral, um, it was more mental than it was physical. Like, if that makes sense, I, I think last year they just they got into such a rut that it's like, oh my God, you know, they had all these expectations and it's just kind of gone to hell. And it didn't, it didn't turn around until they got to the point where they said, screw it, let's just go play and see what happens. Um, this year's team, when I look at them, I just don't think they're good enough. Um, I never thought last year's team wasn't good enough. I I I I kind of think that about this year's team. Yep, it felt more mental last year, and that's probably yeah. why you kept holding out hope for a turnaround. And then that Arkansas weekend felt like okay, there isn't going to be a turnaround. And then of course, <laughs> against all odds, a weekend later, yeah. there actually was a uh, there actually was a turnaround. Um, I, I wanted to add this up earlier. So they left Arkansas. At seven and fourteen last year, which yeah. means when they got there, they were six and twelve. And then when they left South Carolina the week before, they were five and five 10. and ten. So you are now in the first half of SEC play each of the last two seasons, eight and twenty-two. That's not great. That is not good at all. That is very anti-Bianco. You know, a lot of times sometimes they've struggled a little bit in the first half and really kind of turned it on over the last 18 to 15 yeah. games in an SEC site. But you're eight and twenty-two in the last two years in the first half of conference play. That's a hell of a hard hole to give to uh dig out of. I mean, the fact that 
I'd love to see a stat on how many seven and 14 teams eventually made it to a regional or God forbid made it to a super. I bet the list is very thin. Like last but year, the list is like one. I'd be, I, if it's greater than three, I'd be <laughs> absolutely stunned. Um, so it, but point being like you, that's two years in a row where they dug themselves out of these hole, uh, out of a hole. And I, last year was very much obviously not the norm. Like you can't expect to have a turnaround like that. And I know I'm stating the obvious, but this team's certainly not turning it around. And I, again, I don't want to do the whole big picture thing. It's, it's a weird, I don't know. It's a weird dynamic. You're removed from a national title, but like, what do you make of being eight and 22 in the first half of SEC play two years in a row? Um, like I said, I think I think it's two different dynamics, right? Like last year, we we can talk about, you know, I, I think mentally they just kind kind of got in a funk, and then this year I just don't think they're good enough. So if I thought it was, you know, two years in a row they weren't good enough, well, if they weren't good enough, Matt, last year they wouldn't dogpile in Omaha. Um, I just think it's two different things. I think last year's team was mentally kind of braid at that point, and then this year's team is just not good enough. Uh, so I guess in saying that, I'm not worried about the future of the program. Um, not, but you know. I, I, it's not a great. It's not great, obviously. That you know, you're not going to host again. You're not going to probably, uh, barring a miracle, make the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, so I think next year, look, that might be Anko's job. I think that it's even talking about that makes me laugh at this point. I don't. I don't think his. You know, outside of them just being abysmal next year, I don't even think that would be a topic of conversation. Um, so, you know, it look, it, I think that's more of an anomaly over two years than anything else. Because um, I think the way it's happened is is two different things. So, like I said, I, I don't necessarily worry about that when, 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 you know, from the perspective of the future of the program. I agree with you. And I don't I don't think I'm necessarily worried. Like, I don't think the, it's necessary to have a big picture state of the program conversation yet. But when you talk about, like, it's kind of silly to talk about, I would say counterpoint, Chris Limonis. <laughs> I think they never thought they'd they, be in this position down. Now, uh, Limonis did I, not have the program, like, 20 years of clout. He also didn't recruit those kids, really, that won the national title, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, no, one, no one's accusing Mike Bianco of being Gene Chizik or Ed Ogeron. It's not an apples-to-apples <laughs> thing. But I do think it's there's a little, at least a little bit to be learned there where, hey, as we just pointed out, Having a bad baseball program at a place where you're invested really sucks. And, you know, two years of that, I do think some emotional capital you've built with the fan base can erode maybe quicker than you think as sure. the losses continue to pile up. Sure. No, this doesn't need to happen next year. Um, I don't think it will. I don't. I, I think Ole Miss will be um, extremely aggressive within the transfer portal. And I know many people are probably like, well, weren't they last year? Yeah, they were. But, again, I don't think the transfer portal is why they are not very good this year. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't. You definitely can't blame that on the they, they They've got to be better. Um, and I'm not talking like Revis has been good and John Gaddis was good last year. They got to go get a dude out of the portal this year, though, like a stud. I, and I don't know who it is. Obviously, it's too early to say. They got to go get somebody that can pitch on Friday or Saturday night in this league that, this year out of the portal. Yeah, because that's – I mean, that's – and what you're actually saying is you're, that's who you're – like you got to find someone to pair Hunter Elliott with. Speaking of, you bring him back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Look, I, if it were me, I'd probably have a little bit of different discussion, but I, I don't know. It's hard for me to say without knowing what the actual medical thing sure. is and like the upside yeah. to not bringing it back and vice versa. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I think I think if there was any scenario where rest would help him, then I wouldn't. But if, I mean, there may just it may just be a situation where like he's he's fine, like he's 100 percent. Go get him. And if that's the case, I certainly pitch him. But I would say if there's any scenario where rest helps him in his future, I, I don't put him back out there. I agree. And I, I mean, look, they, they, I think they will, I mean, they certainly get paid tons more money and know a ton more about it. So yeah. I, I think, you know, they will probably approach it with the same thing. So I guess we'll see. Um, but I would anticipate him being back and, you know, unless we get some sort of news to the contrary, which I have not seen yet as we record this about an hour or two after the game um, ended on Sunday. And another thing that's frustrating about this team from an offensive standpoint, they had after entering this game, they had, threatened to kind of climb out of the cellar in terms of conference play and slug like out of the bottom in terms of slugging percentage and some other metrics. And it felt like the offense how was kind of them find it. It's what'd you say? I said, how kind of them? Yeah, exactly. You know, they they were moving up to 10, but I think that's, that's, that's uh Groff coming on and becoming I me mean, Groff's yeah. too off the team lead and hits in sec play and, you know, Calarco being pretty good and kind of it feeling like a little more of a well-rounded thing and Gonzalez getting going and, that and that felt that way, but then you get to a game like this, and you're facing a freshman today in Gerangelo Gisanti. Yeah, he was good. Yes, he was good, but he's not doing the ambidextrous thing. You know, it's like I think his left arm is. A oh, little he did hard. today. He did Are you today. sure? Yeah, yeah, he switched today. Because I remember uh, Bart Gregory. They were like, "Yeah, we'd be shocked if he throws with anything but his right arm." And then Gonzalez gets up there and he switches to his left arm. Okay, so, I don't know yeah. how I missed that. It I couldn't have yeah, been as, as regular as he was doing it in the uh, earlier in the year then, because I know he'd had an issue or something, and he was primarily pitching right-handed, but I guess I just missed that today. He was pretty good, but that is a true freshman that's pitching on Sundays in the SEC, and Ole Miss really yeah. kind of went quietly for five straight innings. I mean, you put up five zeros to start a Sunday game. That's, that's tough yep. to win. Yeah, no, I mean, look, we, <clears throat> something that, you know, I was wrong on. I thought this offense would bash – um, you know, back end pitching really did, but they have scored on Sundays two, four, 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 and now three runs. That is um, crazy. So they've yet to score five runs in a Sunday game in SEC. That play? is correct. Two, four, Ooh, four, man. four, and three. That is what 17 divided by five. That is, uh, my friend, that is 3.4 runs in game three. That is bad. And they haven't won a game three. No, no, no. Well, well, that's not shocking after you. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I was trying. To, I was trying to make sure I had all the other some of these weekends run together, and I was honestly going to be like, did they win one? Because that would actually shock me. 
I mean, look, you get to the halfway point and you haven't won a Sunday game. Again, we're just confirming what everyone's seeing with their own eyeballs. But when you look at it from different vantage points, such as the one you just pointed out, it just it's 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 kind of it's kind of amazing, quite quite frankly. So I'm just glad that uh, they're going to Arkansas State Tuesday instead of, you know, in May. So it won't hurt the RPI. <laughs> that is true. You know, they finally switched that up and then it, you get to a year. And it's like, oh, this actually is probably not going to matter in the slightest because uh, there must be – see, Alejandro, here, there is no college. You know what's going to suck is with this team. Let's see. They go one and two next weekend. And that makes them, what, four and 14? Is that bad? And then they, like, get Georgia and Missouri and Auburn, and they're going to go, like, seven and two. And they're going to be, what, 11 and 16? And everybody's going to be like, Really? Because they, yeah, they're going to win some series at the end. Four and 14, but you finished 12 and 18, which somehow meant they went like eight and four down the stretch. It's like, seriously, man. <laughs> like, what are we doing? It's not helping. The, the, the Look, no one's tuning. I was supposed to get a draft pick doing that. Yeah, no one's going to be tuning into us in late May to be, be like, can they get to 12 and 18? So like, what, who cares? What, what <laughs> Keep it moving here. Um so it's just, it, I don't know. It's a very frustrating team on the eyes to watch. And I, I mean, I do this every week, but I'll kind of go through just some of the baseball statistics. Uh, and Chatagne had a two-hit game on uh, on Saturday, but I don't know. He's still got five hits in conference play. I mean, in SEC games only, he's batting 098. He's got five, he's five for 51. I don't know what his total of plate appearances are, but he's only drawn – Seven walks. Two of them today. Yeah, 16 strikeouts. I mean, again, that's a – Oh, a, God, that is horrid. And, 16 Ks. Oh, my. And McCants had a pretty good weekend. McCants has struck out 19 times and only drew, drew – Well, five. my boy Cal Harris has struck out 18 times. I did not realize that. He has, but the man – I'm, I'm fine with his strikeout. Yeah. <laughs> 320, you can excuse it for that. But, like, McCants actually had a decent weekend, and I think he had a multi-hit game, and I think each of the first two games, I mean, we have to go back and look at that, but that pulled his average to a grand uh, 160 and his OPS to 436 in SEC play. After a weekend like that. Oh. Like it's, I know. Some of these numbers are just pretty brutal offensively, and, you know, it speaks to the same issues we talked about the – Tired time. So watching this today, it felt very 2022-ish, like mid middle of 2022-ish, where when you're trying to figure out, like, can they find a way to come back in the game at three to nothing? It felt like once Anthony Calarco put the bat on his shoulders that you were probably getting a zero until you got back to Ethan uh, Groff at the top. Did you sense the same type of thing? Yeah. Because I felt like the same way in 2022 watching the bottom of that lineup. Yeah. Yeah, it just felt like there was a hole there. Um, and, you know, obviously Chatney gets the walk and then McCants gets out. Um, and then, then then Groff, Gonzo, Alderman, and, and Harris do do jobs and you make it 3-3. Three, three. Um, Peyton Chatney striking out 28% of his plate appearances in SEC play, by the way. Um, I did that math. Yeah, it just – it's – there is a there is a hole in that lineup from seven. You know, Leger's been okay. Uh, but from seven, eight, nine, it just kind of feels because the DH spot's not been very good either. It just kind of feels that like Furnace has been the predominant DH, and they haven't really twit, twit, tinkered a lot with that. Probably speaks to them not having any other options on the bench. I mean, I don't know. 
Reagan Burford hasn't been great in the 10 games he's played in and seven games he started, but they just, I've been a little surprised they haven't tinkered with that at all. Look, Furnace is a freshman. It's tough to hit in the SEC as a freshman, but sure. do you think him being the predominant DH guy, them seemingly not deviating from that, you know, a ton? He has started nine of the 15 games and played in 13 of them. Like, do you think that's indicative of anything? I don't know. Um, it, it just, yeah, it's indicative. They don't trust anybody else. Um, yeah, that's kind of exactly what I was getting at. Like, yeah, yeah. I, no, I don't. I, besides that, that's they they trust him more than anybody else right now. Look, if they, I mean, look, Mike Yanko is a really good baseball coach. They had, and I, and I'm not saying this to you. I'm just saying this to, to people that I've seen this weekend. Like, they had better dudes. They'd be running them out. They don't. Um, and we debate like why that is, but the reality is they don't. Otherwise, they would be out there, and they're not. So, um, reality is that. When, you know, June 1st hits or whatever day this season ends, um, Ole Miss has got to be in the portal, and and, and they've got to get dudes. There's, there's no way around that. Ole Miss ties the game 3-3 three to three in the top of the seventh inning today. You get to the bottom of the inning, and you have – no, excuse me, Ole Miss went 1-2-3 in the bottom of that inning. No, I've got the wrong game up. Good Lord. The stat broadcast – with them all looking the same, really just plays a ton of mind games on me. So I knew it was the bottom of the seventh. You get a Marshawn yeah. one-out walk. Yep. You've got Kimbrell and you've got Morrell warming <sighs> up in the bullpen. Cole Ketchum seemingly laboring a bit out of gas. I thought he actually pitched decently well um, and gave them a shot. What is the pro Jackson Kimbrell argument? Because we just talked about on Friday or on Saturday, the one guy you trust to finish that game yeah. in the ninth is Morell, and he's not available on Saturday. Well, he is available on Sunday. What do you think the reasoning was? Um, I, I know part I, of it, but I'm just teeing you up for it. Why do you think they went Jackson Kimbrell before they went to Mitch Morell? Two years ago, um, Ole Miss. So let's see, that was the bottom of the sixth inning when it went to hell, I believe. Um, the infamous Mowitz day. Yeah, they they did not bring Taylor Broadway in because, and, and I'll actually look for this now, but they had a set number of innings in their mind that he could pitch. And they did not want to have to ask him to pitch more than those innings. And they, uh, they didn't bring him in. I believe in my mind they decided that, um, yeah, it was the sixth inning. Um they did not want Mitch Morell to throw more than two innings, so they were going to try everything in their darndest to get through that inning not using him. Um, and, you know, everybody talks about, why Kimbrell, why Kimbrell? Well, outside of Mitch Morell, everybody else is the same to me. Like, I don't ser- – I'm, I'm being genuinely serious. Outside of Mitch Morell, does it if, – if if I told you, hey, Ole Miss has to close a game out tomorrow against, I don't know, pick a random Texas A&M. And it can't be Mitch Morrell, and it can't be any of the three starters. Who are you putting on the mound? Braden like, Jones. You know what I mean? Okay, Braden Jones. Braden Jones not available today either. So besides Braden Jones and, and Mitch Morrell, who are you putting out there? It doesn't matter, right? They're all the same dude. So, like, I think Mike was just trying to get through the seventh inning so he could give Morrell the ball for two innings. He had made up in his mind that he had two innings out of Morrell. That's when he was going to use him. And then everybody's going to say, well, why did he bring him in? Well, because at that point you have to stop the bleed. Um, I didn't mind the decision because I just don't like – you thought you had two innings out of Morrell, and frankly, after throwing three innings on Friday, that's probably all you did have after him. So you had to get two outs from somebody at some point. 
um, if you thought you were limited to two innings with Morrell. And I think they were just trying to play the matchups with the left on left. Uh, we could talk about pitch sequencing. I, I didn't like the pitch call. I didn't like the pitch call to Jordan today that uh, – that, that, that he hit off the scoreboard. Let me tee um, up for this real quick that you hit on it a second ago, but I would I would like to point out, as you kind of hinted at, the two other the other piece of it that you outlined the who they're all the same. Ledbetter and Hines are both left-handed hitters. So I yes. imagine the fact that it was Kimbrell versus someone else, like you said, that's similar that's not Mitch Morrell, is the fact that it was left on left. But anyway, you talked about the pitch signaling. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's just I don't. I didn't have an issue with with Jackson Kimbrell in the game. I didn't think Mitch Morrell was going to be able to throw two point two innings today. I thought you were going to stretch him to get two. Um, so I didn't really have an issue with who who was in the game at that point. Fair enough. But man, did it not feel predictable? Yeah, no, really, it did. But I don't know what else you do if you can only think you're only getting two innings out of Morrell. You know what I mean? Like, where else are you going? So I don't know. I, I they're not good enough. There's been one or two guys that they pitched earlier in the year a couple of times that they just haven't really like even tried as bad as the pitching's gotten. And again, this kind of gets like, back to my lack of tinkering point. Remember that kid that has the funky delivery? The Tommy yeah, Henninger. Henninger, I think is his name. He Tommy pitched against Henninger. Delaware. He pitched against yeah. Nebraska, and he pitched against Alcorn State. What? I'd try anybody. I mean, they had Kemp Alderman getting loose today. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't know if Henninger's there. You know what I mean? Like, did he make the travel roster? Oh, no, no. I, I saw I saw actually a picture of him. He was there today. Okay. So, we we allegedly have evidence that he existed and was in the stadium. Again, I, and this is not second-guessing or saying, why aren't they doing this? I just, again, it, it, I don't know. Mike's gotten really damn creative. Jack Doherty was born out of this in some ways when they were struggling to find pitching in 2021. Like, I just – So, you're telling me that uh, Jacob Gonzalez might be taking them out. That's what I get. There's just the fact that no one else – has even really be tried. Maybe maybe Cole Ketchum counts as that. I I, I don't know. But like I don't know. I remember Henninger coming in and I don't know if they think he's good or bad or anything. Um I, I just you haven't seen him. And maybe there's just not that many. I mean, I'm going through the roster right now. I guess there just aren't that many other ones. I mean, I mean Henninger, I don't know I don't know who else there is. There's a kid named Patrick Gailey who Galley allegedly exists. It's refreshing. There's a, a Mason Morris. Um, yeah, he's pitched some. He's from Chief Law. Yeah, Colt Tolbert, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't he's know. He's pitched just, twice. Yeah. I'm just surprised that they haven't even, like, tinkered with that. You know, you're right. They had Alderman in. Would you have had the Stones to put Alderman in the game there? Well, in complete fairness, Alderman was in the field, so he couldn't have gotten loose. Mm. He, he he was getting loose after they had given up the home run. Yeah, that's fair. And I guess he was on base while they were tying it up. Yeah, so – Kemp Alderman, Rhino Lennox, same person. One of them hits the ball a little bit farther, though. I'm telling you, man, some of the way he hits the ball just sounds different. That you know, I was in the outfield. I had a buddy uh this who lived in Oxford and he was uh moving to Birmingham this week. So we sat in the outfield for the Memphis game as kind of his like little going away thing. And funny enough, I was actually at the concession stand when this happened, but Alderman hit one off the top of the scoreboard. They said it went 480, and I think they're under- underselling him. <laughs> it hit off, you know. They placed the lineup on the top, like like the middle left portion of the video board. Yeah, I was told by people I was sitting with that it hit where they placed the six hole hitter. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, that Memphis game. Obviously, we had, we had spoken about it because there's much more pressing issues. But I, uh, so we had a game that night, so I was didn't watch any of it. But I go and get my phone after our game, and I had like 36 text messages about the. I'm like, oh, I see something has happened. 
a couple of them were for me because we were sitting out there and like I'm kind of halfway paying attention. Ole Miss takes the lead and they bring Nichols in. I'm like, all right, so they're going to survive. They're going to win this game. And like the group I was with kind of starts packing it up or at least kind of starts mulling the idea of, okay, how are we getting out of here? Rides and all that stuff. And all of a sudden they hit a home run. And then I like bend down to like pick up a can or something like that. And then I hear a ball like hit above me. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it's 10 to 9. Like doing the they stick like, another one in right over. field in a span of like, I swear to God, felt like 20 seconds. And I know it was probably like two minutes. But all of a sudden, Ole Miss went from up 9-7 to down 11-7, and it felt like it happened in a snap of a finger. Yeah. Yeah, not great. Not not great. So, yeah, my phone blew up about that time. I'm like, oh, my God, they lost to Memphis. They did. They they <laughs> they uh, they lost to Memphis. So, I don't know. I mean, we could talk this into uh, – talking. I don't think that's going to be the reason they missed the tournament. I, I don't either. I, I didn't have RPI killer – um uh labeled in my notes by the loss <laughs> to Memphis, but man, it's just I'm surprised well, uh, gen- genuine genuine question. Was Sonia any good that night? Uh dude, I'm sitting in the outfield. I can't honestly answer that. I'm sitting in the outfield. I don't have a great view. I, I I'm I'm halfway paying attention. No, he was not. He was not. He gave up six earned runs and two point one. No, he was not any good. Yeah, it doesn't sound great. I, I did technically watch it, but to say your guy was locked in while sitting in the outfield on top of a cooler was not would not be accurate. Not be an accurate summation of what what took place. Uh, I do have a couple other random nitpicky questions, uh, and this might make the few state folks that listen to us angry, but I don't intend for that to be the case because uh, we could talk about this team in circles. But now I'm just going to result to the random shit that enters my brain throughout a series. Sure. State has that really nice ballpark, right? Uh huh. They have like turf, like kind of between the 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 foul line and the dugout. Yeah. I get that. A lot of places have that. I think Ole Miss has that to you know prevent rain and maintenance. Why is the home plate area not dirt? Why is that turf? I don't know. Uh, a lot of places have turf home plates now. Uh, I'm a fan, actually. I'm a fan. Okay, why? Um, I I well because I'm a, just a fan of turf. <laughs> so so uh, as much turf as we can get. As somebody that that has our baseball field and and rain kind of. Messes with it um, at our high school. Uh, I uh, I would prefer everybody have turf so that uh, unless it's absolutely pouring down rain, you can play the game. Um, so just just a big turf fan here. And I think their warning track is turf, isn't it? No, I didn't know that. I think I don't think I like that. I don't I don't really like that at all because. But then that defeat the purpose because you're not looking yeah, at the color of the turf. What are, what are you? Yeah, what are you warning? <laughs> you're going from grass to turf. Is that that noticeable? So on a turf field like that for states, is the turf just a paint cutout of home plate, or do you think there's actually a plate? Oh, there's a plate. Yeah, there's a plate. Okay. I've seen high school fields that do the turf thing, and it's not really a plate. Like, the plate's painted on really? it. Really? I've seen that. I've seen that before. I'm not at an SEC facility, but I thought that was odd. And then I noticed behind home plate, I had to go call, uh, text my buddy Brian Haydad to investigate this one. You notice they have the people standing behind. Standing the- up, yeah. So that's club area seating where there's only a select number of seats and the mo- a lot of them are standing room only. And again, cool. I'm not nitpicking, not knocking. I just find all this interesting. What is the point of buying club level seats if you're standing room only? Wouldn't you want to sit same. down? Baseball games are quite yeah. – Yeah, I'm not paying a lot of money to stand up. Mm-mm. And not have a guaranteed spot. Like I don't think the standing room only, I don't think they're marking off uh, you know, six-foot areas over there. Like I think it's first yeah, no. or serve. I just – if I'm forking up the cash for a club area seat, I'd actually like to have you know a chair. Yeah. Yeah, my butt, my butt's gonna be in a chair if I'm if I'm paying that level of money. 
Yeah, I did. Those are two just random notes. I found have you all, have you been in the condos at, at Mississippi State? No, they look really cool, but I've never. They been are there. really awesome. I have you been in a midweek game one time? Yeah, I went for a midweek game one time. Really, really cool. I bet they are cool, and just the sheer fact that the game can end and then you just go inside in your living room that that feels pretty. Yeah. That seems pretty nice. I wonder if you could like. I don't know the answer to this. You might. I, I managed to get you to text. Hey, Dad, can you live in those? Like, I don't you think just, you're you know, allowed to live. I don't think okay. students are allowed to live in them. I, I don't think they'll rent okay. them to students. I'm I'm pretty sure. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that is a policy. Well, but like, if you own it or have the tickets to it, can can you not? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you. I think you can. Can you own these things, or how does that work? I'm pretty sure you can ticket. own them. And if you own the property, I imagine you can stay in there whenever you want. That would be weird. You could only do. I need, you, I need you to investigate this. I just don't – I think they kind of had a policy. And there's like condominium complexes in Oxford where they're like, hey, let's not have, let's not have this turn into, you know, frat row east type of thing. Like I, <laughs> I don't think they want a bunch, I don't think they want a bunch of students renting them. But I would, as, I would assume you can stay there whenever you want because that the Duty Noble is right kind of in the middle of campus. And so if yeah. you're having a place to stay that has a bedroom and a living room, I would assume if you if you purchase it, you, you should have access to that whenever you want. Yeah. Now you probably Let's can't see. walk around like the concourse of Duty Noble whenever you want, but you know you could go. <laughs> can you can you, go in the building. I don't know how that works. It? I've never lived at a baseball park. Yeah, that would be that would be kind of dope if you could live at the baseball park. It does not appear you can live at them, so you you you, uh, you must leave. There's like weekend rentals, so I don't know. Oh, um, interesting. I'd now, like to the, now, the business model set up on that. Yeah, I would too. If anybody, if any state fans would like to let me know, um, please do. Yeah, I'd love to receive so some clarification now. on how those work. They look very cool. Um, it seems like a cool place to watch a uh, game. But uh, so those are the random uh, dugout uh, stadium notes that I had from the weekend. Um, again, not much to say about this team. They're just not not good enough. And then I don't know. I mean, I was about to just be like, what's the outlook going forward here? There's just what are you what are you looking for playing for from this point forward? So uh, just r- r- real quick, uh, 45000 for the season for an apartment. You can't rent them during the offseason. It does not appear. So that so, would lead me to believe you can't own them. Yeah. Uh, 2500 for a non-conference game, 33250 for a Southeastern Conference package. Wow. Uh, yeah, it does not appear that you can own them. Um, no thank you for me on that, but it looks very yeah. cool. Yeah, if somebody would like to give me a ticket again, I'll, like they did – uh, a couple weeks ago, I'm in. But other than that, no. Um, as far as what I'm looking for the rest of the season, uh, I think here's just reality, and this is this is kind of unfortunate. Um, but and, and you know, I don't know if Mike's going to do this or not. But and, because technically they still are in play for the NCAA tournament, I get that. But what, what's it's like made abundantly crystal clear to even those in the coaching staff that they're not going to make the NCAA tournament. You start, you got to start getting some of these kids looks. Like Grayson Sanya's got to pitch some more. Uh, you know. You got to figure out who can help you next year and who can't because those who can't don't need to be there next year. Um, so there's guys that are borderline. You better start getting them looks and you better start getting them, you know, at bats and, and innings against quality competition to see if they need to be on your baseball team next year. Um, How like do you do that of, without working to the detriment of veteran guys that may or may not be in a draft year? Um, I don't know. I, that's why I pay Mike all that money. Um, I don't know how you do it, but. I I know that if it's me, I need to see not Taiwan Malone because he's on football scholarship and he's fine, but I need to see can like I'm just going through the roster here. Uh, can Tim Samay play? 
You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And like guys like that. And, and if you've already made your decision, then so be it. But I, I'm just going through the roster. Can Will Platner play? Can he be your catcher next year? What do you think about John Kramer? Um, you know, uh, there's a guy named Bo Gatlin. You know, what, what do you think about him? I'm, I'm just naming guys that have gotten, you know, minuscule at bats um, this year. So, I, I if I'm Ole Miss, and again, my, Mike may not do this because he may approach it and say, hey, we, we, we got games. We're going to try – going to go try to win baseball games and I totally get that but if it's me I'm figuring out who can help me next year and who can and it's a weird it's a weird place to be because you're gonna who do they lose off this team Gonzalez uh, I'm going through the lineup here um, Calvin Harris will be gone Alderman will be gone Gonzalez will be gone Groff will be gone Clarko is gone TJ McCants I would guess is gone Peyton Chatnier is probably gone um, and then you know Leger Furness I assume are back I don't know that um so not a lot returning, frankly. I was going to say you're ba- that you basically just named everybody. I mean, you basically named the starting lineup, and so yeah, th- you're right. That, that that's a great. I'm glad you made the point earlier the way you did it because that is going to be an important part of what is now a, you know, kind of meaningless second half of the season, barring something miraculous. But uh, this is a conversation for another day. But it's fun to kind of peek, like I guess, tip the ice or uh, kind of scratch the surface of it. Next year is going to be weird because I'm not sure with what they have coming back currently. And I know the the portal will change things a little bit. I can't imagine the expectations for that team will be anywhere similar to what they have been for pretty much every team, each of the last, what, five years now, pretty much since 2017. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I will, this will be next year will be the first year that I'll like when people ask me how you think they're going to be like, I'm going to have to wait and see after the past two years of, uh, you know, how, how crazy the uh, results have been. Um, so I don't know, you know, it's going to be a completely new team next year because you expect a ton of guys to be gone uh, with regards to the draft. Um, so yeah, just, just expect them to be a totally different look. No, you're a little bit in in a little bit better shape on the mound, right? You presumably get Hunter Elliott back. I think you'll get a healthy Josh Mallich for a decent portion of the year. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably right. Because didn't he have the surgery last winter? So like next winter will make the twelve month mark. Uh, yeah, that feels right. That yeah, yeah, that certainly feels right. Yeah, because it's preferably you'd like a little bit more than twelve months. Um, I, I'll ask this now: Do you expect Riley Maddox to pitch now? Well, doesn't he fall into the category of what you're just talking about? I mean, look, Riley Maddox in a very small sample size last year looked really good, threw hard, and felt like a guy that they were going to probably count on uh, later in the year. But you haven't seen a ton yet. Would he not fall in the category of what do you actually have in this guy as you were outlining earlier? Mm, no, I, I, I think you, I think he was good enough last year that you that you know he's going to help you in 2023 when he comes back healthy. Um, maybe you get him a few put, innings this year. But he's well beyond twelve months at this point. I imagine it'll probably be good to get. No, him. it's like tw- it's twelve months from like right now. He got. Yeah, yeah. He Sorry, was actually- I, mean, I guess by the end of the season he'll be on the twelve month mark. So I guess like you're 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 framing it from the standpoint of like, do you just go ahead and kind of shut him down and rest him in a little more? Like I, I don't know. That's an interesting debate. How do you weigh that versus hey, let's get him back in live game action a little bit? You know, thirteen months removed from this thing. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, it just kind of depends on what's best for his future, right? Um, and and maybe he does need maybe, you know, 18 months or whatever it would be. I'm trying to do that math while it's even more than that. Maybe 20, close to 20 months without game action may not be the best for him. So 
Uh, obviously, they would have fall inner squads and things of that nature. And, and I presume he would probably pitch this summer somewhere. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what's the and, – and, you know, obviously I'm not um, somewhat familiar with Tommy John and Tommy John recovery, but, but, but not, you know, from a medical perspective, people certainly are way, way, way smarter than me on that. So I'm not just sure what's totally best for the kid. And if I, – I don't know if it's best for him to – uh, pitch at the end of 12 months or if, if it would be better for him in this long-term future is, is um, to, to not pitch. Yep. It's going to be an interesting balancing act. I, I didn't, can't imagine this was the conversation we are going to be having at this juncture, but uh, Hey, that is uh that is certainly where we stand. Let's take a quick look around the Southeastern conference before we get out of here. Uh, one thing we are right on, despite Ole Miss not really taking off since, is uh, Vanderbilt's pretty damn good. They finished off two out of three <laughs> back-end series West, went over South Carolina. They're now 13-2 and two in conference play. I think South Carolina's got a pretty decent club, too, that swings it pretty well. And Vanderbilt, uh, they handled it pretty good. Yeah, no, Vandy's really, really good. Really loaded. Um, maybe the favorite to win the national title um, outside of LSU. So, I think them and LSU are certainly uh, two best teams around. I uh I'd I'd have a hard time disagreeing there. And then how about the Arkansas Razorbacks? Uh they yeah. swept the Tennessee Vols this weekend. I hate uh, that. Tennessee pretty pretty rough offensively. You knew they were gonna pitch it. You wondered how much they could replace the offense. It hasn't been great of late. Five and ten. Maybe they could miss Hoover with Ole Miss. Five and ten. Yeah. Yeah. Five and ten for the Vols. They can make some noise is, second half. Yeah, whose fault is that? Not Tony Vitello. Yeah, it's not Coach Vitello's. That'd be ridiculous. Um, <laughs> come on. Let's let's see who they get. Who they finish with? Oh, they get Vandy. That'll be fun. I bet Vandy won't want to kick them in the teeth. Oh, that could uh, get, that could get chippy. Yeah. And then they got State, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina. So I mean, Kentucky and South Carolina are good. So uh, <laughs> it's a shame if the Vols miss the tournament. I hate that. Would be a real shame. Alabama loves company. Yeah. Good. Good team. Good or good, good weekend, I should say. They needed that so bad. They, you know, they lose the Friday game against Auburn. I was like, oh man, we've done this whole Alabama. I think I compared yeah. them to Kentucky football one time. It's like, hey, they're coming. It's like, actually, there's kind of average, and average in this league doesn't get you what a lot. But they win four two and six one to back in a series that they very desperately yep. um, needed. Uh, Florida did what to Georgia? I did not I see, see the that game today. Okay, they uh they back ended it with an eleven six win because Georgia won a slugfest on Friday night, uh and then they won eleven six today after a two one win yesterday. So Florida takes two out of three. They've had a couple pitching injuries. I think that is uh worth kind of keeping an eye on, but uh they're still pretty pretty good and very certainly very talented. And then LSU swept Kentucky. I have that right. They won six seven. Uh, six. No, no, Kentucky, no, Kentucky won Kentucky the middle won. game. Sorry, thirteen yeah. ten. My, my my Wildcats won a game. That's what you need to do in Baton Rouge. Obviously, they wanted to. I am a, I'm officially a Kentucky fan for the rest of the year, as well as I'm, you know. Obviously, I still want Ole Miss to win games, but um, if I'm going to root for somebody else not named Ole Miss, I think I'm going to adopt the Wildcats for the rest of the year. So they're pretty good. Um, they they they're not bad. An outside hosting chance. Uh, com, uh, you would think. I mean, what seven and five, seventeen and thirteen, maybe maybe gets that done. Uh, the issue is, you know, you got a And M this weekend for them, and then it's. Vandy, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Florida. So if they get to seven and five over the next uh, 12, 12 or, uh, I guess that'll be seven and eight. Wow. If they get to seven and eight over that stretch, you would, they would certainly deserve to host for sure. 
Yeah, but talk about being pretty damn good position. Now you were right on them. They're good. Uh, A and M. What their RPI is? Let's see. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. I was actually thinking the same thing because when you talked about that can't be right. Oh my god, that can't be right. Kentucky has the number one RPI, and I know it's early for a little early for RPI, but it's worth paying attention to now. Seventeen and thirteen is getting a minute with the. I mean, they have the number one streak. That might be a national seed. Wow, Jesus. I did not realize they were number one in RPI. Good for us. I mean, Jim, when you take a look at this RPI, it's kind of ridiculous. It's Kentucky, South Carolina, LSU. Congrats to Wake Forest for sneaking in. And then Arkansas, Virginia, <laughs> Vandy. Five yeah, of the top uh, seven in the country are SEC teams. Yeah. Um, I wonder what Ole Miss's is. Let's see. It was in the Ole 50s is, going into this week. Uh, yeah, 54. Not great for the Rebels. No, that's uh, that's not what you want to see. Um, you still got some RPI opportunities, though. Don't forget that. They, they do, they do. And look, all it would take is them going uh, twelve and 3 twelve now. and three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let them get hot. Mizzou, A and M, A and M takes two to three. Uh, I guess that sweep over uh, Tennessee to start the year was a fluke because uh, what's that guy's name? Beezer. He's the, the the boys are struggling in Columbia. Well, you said it was a fluke. Maybe it was just the fact that Tennessee's not good. Oh, that is also true. But Missouri's had a tough go of it uh, after that. Um, So that wraps up your SEC action. I know you got to get running. We'll, I guess, check back in with you next weekend, probably have the same conversation, beat ourselves over the head. But uh, Ole Miss will play LSU. I appreciate the time, as always, my man. We'll holler to them. All right. Sounds good, buddy. All right, that'll do it for our show today. I don't know what we got playing the rest of the week. I'm going to talk to Weldon at some point for a post-spring football recap, and then we're just going to kind of try to make this work as uh, I don't think anyone wants to continue hearing about a 3-12 and baseball team. But, hey, I don't know. We'll play it by ear. But plenty of good stuff coming for you down the pipe. Just not quite sure how much baseball will be going forward. Anyway, you all have a great start to your week. We'll talk to you here in a couple of days.